You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second and 10 from the 19. Jones for the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Golden Tate holds it in. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey Grump, happy, uh, happy, happy podcast day. Happy Festivus. Uh, happy Cowboys hate week. Is today Festivus? Is today the actual date? What is I don't know. Um, what I is it? I think it's the 23rd, I think, is when uh, it actually happens. But Which means tonight after we finish recording this, I will be going to Netflix and watching mm. The Strike, the, the Seinfeld episode, which has Festivus in it. So so happy Festivus to you. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit early, but... And I, yeah. have, I have a lot of grievances I want to talk about this Giants team. So <laughs> Perfect. The Giants are, I mean, this is just weird football times right now since since we last spoke, uh, listeners. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of did our, our recap of the Chargers game and like 900 NFL players tested positive for COVID since then. Like, it, it seems like every team, apparently with the exception of the Cowboys, has like 10 players on this list. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, just... You know, you know. I'm in New York City. You're in Jersey. You can just tell how things are changing, and it's getting a little scary about you know short term what's going to be happening with different things. You know, you could see all of a sudden, you know, masks are required in the city now, and you're seeing restaurants starting to close, and you know, some random NBA games are being canceled. A lot of college games are canceled, and. Uh, I'm a little worried about this uh, on the short term with this season. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to have anything like we just shut the league down like we did last year, but or, or in 2020. But you may see some sp- sporadic uh, game cancellations. I mean, this giant game. Well, I guess unfortunately for the Giants is not going to be canceled, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked between now and the new year if, if something like this does happen to one or more NFL games. Uh, yeah, I mean. Well, I think what we're going to see is more cases of like what we saw with Denver last year where you have just a, a farce of a game because you have like a, a like a practice squad wide receiver or something playing quarterback because he played it in high school. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that was Jason Garrett's offense for us as we had Kadarius Tony throwing 50% of our passes to left tackles and things like that. But no, but seriously, I think we're going to see more things like that, I think. Because even if there are increases here, the NFL does have some really, really, really stringent protocols in place from last year that they can activate at any time. They've already changed some of the practice squad elevation rules to help rosters kind of cope with this sort of uh, situation. I, I mean, they they test insanely, so they do catch it pretty quickly. I think. Um, I so I think what we'll see is a lot of games that are just silliness, where you've got uh, yeah, and and the Giants won't be excluded from that because right now Adoree Jackson not only is injured but also is added to the COVID list, and so is Aaron Robinson. I have no idea what corner two is going to look like. Who knows? And again. Between you know, we're recording this on a Thursday. Between Thursday and Sunday morning, there could be more tests, and there could be more guys out too. So it's 
you know, you're starting to mess with the integrity of the game a little bit. And, you know, I'm not a gambler, but a lot of you guys are. And it's like, how do you gamble on something like this? How do you – if you're a coach, how do you game plan for a game like this? You just don't know from one minute to the next who suddenly somebody's out. Uh, let, let's hope this just doesn't get, you know, completely out of control and you're seeing 20 and 30 and 40 guys being out and then guys getting sick. You know, we, we know that – not everybody in the NFL is vaccinated. We know that uh, some people have gotten around the rules to be eligible, even if they're not vaccinated. So hopefully this is something where, you know, this is the spike that happens this time of year and we kind of get through it. And not many people are seriously impacted, but games are going to be impacted. The question is how badly. Yeah, how badly is right. And this is this is really unfortunate for the NFL because – you know, in 2020, you kind of you enter the season as strict as possible, and you know you, you start the year because it's your first time ever dealing with something like that, and you're just kind of getting ready for it. That's a little bit easier to deal with than suddenly at the very end of the season you're seeing a spike. It kind of feels like you got to scramble to get things in place, and they'll they'll get a little worse before they get better. Um, I mean, you know, like you said, you might see a cancellation of some random games. I could see a Jacksonville versus Detroit kind of game being just totally canceled because who cares? You know what I mean? Just call it a tie or something like that. But where this really starts to get tricky is the postseason. I mean, what do you do? I mean, it just sucks. I mean, if the Giants had to roll into a wild wild card weekend with no corner two, I mean, I... It just well, blows. I don't know they, that there's like a better thing you can do. You can't really move the game. That's not really fair. Well, let's say they have an outbreak and like let's say 15 guys can't play. Forget like just one particular position group. Let's say it's a massive outbreak. I mean, hmm. if you can you imagine your season, you actually make it to the playoffs and the season's over because you can't field a team or, you know, something the equivalent of a, a, a scab team from 1987 where there's just a bunch of people filling up a uniform to play. I mean, that sucks. But, well, what uh, do you do? I mean, you can't really postpone the playoffs by a week, maybe a couple days, but you can't do the whole playoffs. It's too regimented with venues. I mean, the Super Bowl can't move dates. I, I mean, I guess the Super Bowl can't, but I guess they can, you know, if a game, if, if something happens on a Sunday, they may be able to move it to like a Tuesday or something. And yeah. we have we have the bye week uh, before the, you know, before the Super Bowl, which you can kind of, you can make up some ground if you have to. Um, but I think it's a real, a real situation they're gonna have to deal with, and I'm sure they're considering everything right now. And I mean, the cases are just going up everywhere. I just saw in New York City that uh, the reported cases I think doubled in the mm. last couple. Of, that, that's insane. Yeah. So it, it's gonna be exponentially more. I mean, the good thing I guess is this new variant is doesn't seem to be as deadly or more of a mild case of symptoms so but you know, if you have it you have it there's the, all the quarantines and all the protocols are still in place and they're not going to change it now no they're not going to change none That's of that. just, yeah i mean also be incredibly bad look for the league also yeah just to, like hey we don't care that you know all these people that died stuff. we're getting our playoffs and it's more important than real life so well the, so here's what's interesting about the playoff I, if so in my opinion, if you are going to move it a week, because you do have that bye week, that Pro Bowl week to kind of fluctuate the entire playoffs around. In my opinion, if you're going to move one game by a week, don't you have to move the whole playoffs by a week? 
I would think so. I mean, I think what might it, happen... It puts your opponent at such a disadvantage to have one set of teams get an extra week of, of days than the others, right? Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I think fairness is going to t- kind of take a backseat to what can we do to get this done, unfortunately. Unfortunately for the teams that might get screwed hmm. on the field-wise, but I don't think fairness is the number one priority. I think their priority is we got to get something on the field so we can get on TV so we can, you know, make make the money and not have to have paybacks for advertisers and stuff like that. I mean, unfortunately, the players are the ones, per normal, are the, are the least concern of this league hmm. in all its interests. But uh, whether it's a their health, b the fairness of getting a, a fair shot to to win a, a championship or not, but I think that's just kind of the way it is. And not for nothing, uh, I would have to think that. Well, I guess not. I guess we wouldn't see. What would it take to have an impact on the cap in the coming years? I mean, that's all tied to the TV deal that's already signed, right? Um. I guess I, I guess it's on, not all tied to that. I mean, the, the TV deals are already in place. Uh, revenue from this, this, the tickets are already sold. I mean, I guess if you started canceling games and you started really canceling, I don't know. I, I think I, I think right now I think the cap would be okay. I think if it was something like 2020 where you just didn't have people in the stands for a whole season and revenue significantly dropped. That would be an, an impact on the cap, but I don't think, you know, as long as the games are on TV, they're going to get their revenue. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. And um, if anything, they might get actually better ratings because people will be at home. I mean, if this gets to a case where, you know, it's we're going to have quarantine situations potentially, you know, even they're isolated and targeted, and more people are at home, more people will be watching. Yeah, I I don't know. It's hard to imagine watching football when you're a Giants fan right now. Um, <laughs> exactly. So you know, as this as this COVID conversation you know relates to the Giants, they're they're in a terrible situation to the point where previewing a game against a nine and four Cowboys team is sort of elementary and and um, I don't know. It, it's not really a good use of our time or yours so but there are things worth discussing and part of the reason why it's not worth discussing is because it really doesn't look so far there's no change in status for daniel jones okay so that alone if that were the only thing maybe (laughs) maybe it would be worth it to do like what can mike glennon do this time to make it work maybe but it's not only that i mean a dory jackson like i said and aaron robinson not playing i have no idea who's going to play corner two we're missing both Kadarius tony and john ross both both positive covid tests um cam brown i mean that's no great shakes special teams kind of guy um, O'Shane Ziminis also positive. Xavier McKinney is a close contact. He's the sixth one added to the list. Um, but because he's a close contact, as long as he tests negative, as long as he keeps testing negative, he's good. Um, he he'll be able to play. The Cowboys, on the other hand, just Cedric Wilson is the only one on the COVID list. Um, so for those reasons, I mean, just the sheer amount of players that aren't able to play, that just aren't going to be able to play, it's not worth it. I mean, this is. We agree, right? This is going to be a loss that's almost not worth watching. I mean, we're going for the tailgate. 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm going for food, the ride. Yeah. We got we got stuff going on after the game, so we have yeah. reasons to be there otherwise. Any, but. any chance to hang out with uh, Justin and Snacks and those guys is uh, that's gold, Jerry. So we're gonna go for that. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> what's that? What's that sandwich we get at halftime? That uh, known as that's pretty tasty. Yeah, there's some food. Maybe a know. towel they'll give us. Like a, oh, I'm, yeah. It'll, I'm sure it'll have a Wendy's coupon stapled to it or something. Fantastic. I mean, jeez, who needs a Super Bowl? Get something for my money. No, I guess, you know, we, we're, we'll we be there. And uh, But really, I mean, it's tough. Like we said this last week, too. It's like even without Daniel Jones, it's not even like, well, were we really watching for next year? I mean, is it really fair to give a, uh, you know, a, a fair shake to what the offensive coordinator is doing, the play calling or, you know, trends for next year or, I mean, all he can really do in a game like this is just watch and see is, is Joe Judge doing a little better job with clock management? Is he doing yeah. better with his timeouts? Is he doing, you know, little things that give you like, okay, he's kind of learning from previous mistakes, which is, you know, player independent. It doesn't matter who's playing the things that he's doing. I mean, it doesn't make for quality entertainment for three hours of my Sunday, but if you're trying to look for positives, I mean, that's really all you can really hope for right now, I guess. I guess you want to see, you know, watch Andrew Thomas and see him, you know, starting to play better, uh, you know, or just, you know, you want to start making your mental list of in the off season, what do I want to see addressed? You know, I, I guess you could do that, you know, either a starter you don't like or think needs to be improved obvious what uh you know know, the bench and depth we need in a position like game weeks like this seasons like this is pretty glaring like oh we need to fortify this because we are getting guys off the street so i guess if you really want to get nerdy about it and those are things to look for yeah i mean i think there's some things you can do that um there's some like you said andrew thomas is a good one that kind of just operates in the isolated box of who he's supposed to block um, you know, I might key in on McKinney if he plays, continue to watch him develop. I'd like to see how Logan Ryan responds to a poor game last week. Um, continue watching Tay Crowder, see if he can continue getting better. I mean, he keeps making mistakes, but he's, he, you know, there's mistakes and flashes. So, you know, right. little things here and there. Uh, I'd like to see Aziz Ojolari in this game. Uh, we we know Tyron Smith is ruled out. He had a, a foot or ankle injury for a couple weeks, tried to play last week and re-aggravated it, so he's out. So we're looking at Aziz Ojolari is likely to go against Ty Seki or Lyle Collins, depending on where he's lined I mean, up. That's something I would watch. These guys need reps. I mean, guys, mm-hmm. the guys we think have a future on this team, whether it's the next regime, next coaching staff, whatever it is, the guys that are going to be identified as they are going to be intermediate to long-term pieces on this team need to play. And they need reps. They need to have live bullets whizzing by their head. They need to get out there and you know, bang helmets and stuff. So in that respect, games like this are not 100% meaningless or worthless. Um, again, the question is, as a paying customer – is that what you really want to watch? And unfortunately, that's the predicament we're in. Yeah. Um, one other person I'm interested to continue watching is going to be Ellerson Smith. We saw them 
try and line him up at defensive tackle, which I thought was interesting last week. Um, I spoke to Justin Pennick about it a little bit, and he kind of viewed it as like a reinvention or a reimagination of the NASCAR package, uh, which was you know just kind of getting all of your best pass rushers on the field at the same time. Even if they line up inside, you can run twists or you can just utilize their quickness against you know the interior guys or something like that. Um, I'm just interested to see how Ellerson Smith is. I mean, he really is somebody I expected nothing from this year. Or at the very least, situationally, just going on there and just running as fast as he can at the quarterback. So we'll see what he does. Um, Especially because uh, Austin Johnson did not practice so far this week. um, Dealing with a foot injury that I actually didn't know anything about. What's interesting is Leonard (laughs) Williams was originally diagnosed with an elbow injury that caused him to leave the game last week. It is now considered a triceps injury. um, And he is practicing trying to play... Yes, right, correct. Um, <laughs> he, he's practicing preparing to play to keep his never-missing-a-game-due-to-injury streak alive. <sighs> Personal for him, I guess. Yeah, so I guess, you know, when I have grandkids, I'll bounce them on my knee and tell them about that time Leonard Williams played and uh, kept that streak going. It's it's so important. That, that important game against Dallas and the 4-9 Giants really showed it. To, that, that would, if, the, if the Giants win this game... It would be like a Disney movie. It would be. It would literally be Little Giants. Well, let me ask. Let me ask you the question. We ask this. It's almost an annual question, which we hate to ask. But uh, is it a bad thing that they lose? I mean, obviously, we're not going to be rooting for them to 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 lose. We're not going to be cheering for Dallas to. But are you going to walk away after this game being upset if they lose? No, like, not at Well, I mean... Thinking big picture? I mean, obviously, as we're going down the escalator right after the game, right, you're not going to be like, oh, good news. That helps well, by then, by then, I'll be numb. I think, like, in the first <laughs> quarter, if, if what happens to the Giants, if what happened to Washington happens to the Giants where it's, like, 24 nothing by halftime, oh, we'll I, 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 I will be mad in that moment. But by the fourth quarter, I think I'll be over it. I mean, like, I'll go through all the stages of depression or whatever um, by the time we're on that escalator down. But, but no, seriously, to answer your question for real, I'm not – there There are two ways to look at it. And for me, they, they occur for me completely separately. I mean, some people may have to physically sever the two feelings themselves or whatever. But in the moment, while watching the game, I can never – cheer for the Giants to lose. Of course, Even of if it course. No, you say of course, but I mean people do that. Um they're weird. Uh afterwards or big picture, not during the game, I will look at it and be like, it's better if we just lose this one. We gain nothing from winning this. And I wouldn't normally say that against a divisional opponent, but this is a game where you've got no starting quarterback. You've got all these guys out due to COVID. On top of the fact that they were already a heavily injured injured team all year, I just don't even care about this. This game doesn't feel like a a fair game. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like my Giants are playing. It hasn't all year really. Because even when they were healthy, we saw just this sluggish, broken offense. And then you get you fire the offensive coordinator. He gets one game with your starting quarterback, and then that's it. Like none of this felt like the Giants team that I was getting ready to see. It just seems so all inevitable. Like I've never felt as disconnected from a team, a Giants team, as I have this year. And it's really 
I don't know why necessarily. I mean, we've had bad years over the last decade plus, but just some reason where I kind of emotionally checked out a while ago with this team. Like, they're not, they're, this team isn't making that little run we thought they might have. These, their injuries are, are piling up. The, the Gettleman talk is starting. All of these things, it's like, I'm almost ready to get to the offseason and start. How do we fix this? Like, I can't fix it right now. Exactly. It's just and, like, you're just like in class waiting for the clock to hit the bell, and then and, you can just go and just move on to the next thing. Already. And maybe this is a year because I've been really hit with a double dose of, you know, hmm. football disgrace. I mean, I had, you know, it, it's been 53 weeks ago. Florida was in a position to get ready to go to the SEC championship game, probably be in the playoff, one of the best offenses they've ever had. And 53 weeks later, the bottom fell out to resulting of firing their coach. And it was, you know, as painful as this giant season is, it was doubly painful for me watching that Florida team. So I have both of these things, like just both sides of my face, you know, hitting me in the head. So like I just been beaten down so badly that this giant team you know, there's not that much to root for this year. It's kind of, you know, Daniel Jones is, you know, he's been playing sort of better. But, oh, he's out. You know, he's out for three weeks. So you don't get the momentum of watching him develop. Saquon Barkley, the one guy who's your highlight film guy, well, he's out. You know, the talk becomes nonstop about, you know, Jason Garrett. You don't want to hear every week. I mean, it's, it's tough doing this show every week talking about, you know, fire this guy, not fire this guy, big picture this. Is he coming? Is he staying? It's just So really for me, it's... With this team, I, I kind of emotionally checked out about five, six weeks ago. Um, so even if we lose on Sunday, I know it's Dallas, but I'm not going to have like the stages of grief. That's all over. Now it's just kind of, OK, it's past me. And I'm going to be thinking about, all right, well, what's what's our draft pick right now? But you're right. You never during a game like, all right, third and seven, don't get the first down because of the draft pick. You want to beat those pricks. You know, and all the, the meathead goombas are going to be around us. I want to win even more. When it's a tight game and, like, things are screwed up and we suck and, and all these guys are out. And we and, – and like I said, like, we're up by three or something. And we're in this crowd that you know is going to be, like, 70-30 Cowboys Ooh. fans. Ooh, it's gonna be you better time. believe I'm throwing it in their face that they're losing to us. I mean – this is a game where the Cowboys have no excuse to be behind at any point. There's no excuse. Even if we take the opening kickoff for a touchdown, that's no excuse. Um, the only thing I could say, you know, this has been such a wonky year in the NFL where it wouldn't shock me if somehow we're competitive in this game and it comes down to one or two plays just because I have not seen a team have a eight-week run of just being consistent. Like nobody's <laughs> been consistent this year over a long stretch and this Dallas team has not been playing you know that that great Dak has not been Dak for quite a while I mean could this because of you know a pick or a fumble or a special teams play can the Giants hang around well maybe the defense is for all the injuries and stuff is still playing hard they're still playing for their coaching staff um and right if, if we're in that situation if we get to the fourth quarter and we're down Eight, you better believe we're rooting for him. Oh, we yeah. better believe we're going to be giving stink eye to some, you know, meathead cowboy fan from New Jersey. But it, it, I, I don't think I'm ever going to hit the stage of being, even like just sitting there. You know the face we make when we're just sitting there, just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What the hell like... are we watching? That's it, it, over. Now it's just kind of okay. 
entertain me. And if not, all right, let's get on the train and you know think about next week and think about our needs and move forward. Um, yeah, I've been beaten down. One of the other guys I was I was looking forward to watching was Ben Bredesen. I I have some clarity on his injury now is that it is an ankle injury, and uh, he still hasn't practiced. So I guess we're not going to be watching a whole lot of Ben Bredesen. That was that was part of that watching for next year thing, which is, you know, it's frustrating because I felt like I've been watching for next year this whole time. You know, we we spent this off season, we we re-signed Leonard Williams, we got Kenny Galladay, we drafted Kadarius Tony and moved down, and we drafted Aziz Ojolari, and we were just it looked like so many things were kind of. Wow, these are these are the moves we wanted. Look at this. We went out and we got a Dory Jackson. And none of those pieces like ever played together. Nothing. So I just always was waiting for this team to assemble that never happened. And now we're at the point now where I'm watching for next year again. I was excited during the preseason. I was a little concerned why guys weren't playing either just being held held back, which at the time, you know, maybe didn't think about it, but maybe the coaching staff was just like, we're not playing these guys who's not ready to or whatever reason. That first loss, week one to Denver, was kind of like a, oh. Yeah. Maybe this team isn't that good. Really? Because we, we both had our, our, our you know, July and August predictions. We both had us beating Denver in the beginning and like, let's set the tone for the season that we're going to be competitive. And, you know, last year wasn't just, you know, fighting to be a playoff team being the playoffs not just a playoff team and it really kind of you know pissed at our Cheerios losing that game well, it was because they, they looked dysfunctional like everything just looked like they, they just looked like a I, I love this because you can't stand this movie and I always reference it but they looked like Doc Brown's refrigerator in Back to the Future 3 do you know exactly what I'm talking about no. <laughs> so Back to the Future 3 is the one where he goes back in time to the Wild West, but because he's a scientist, he's able to put this giant machine together that makes like one cube of ice, and it takes like 10 minutes and makes all this noise and churns out literally just like one dirty cube of ice. That was the Giants team that went out there on um, in week one. I mean, it just it looked like these are all quality parts. Look at them not work together. That's what it looked like. Yeah. And and even then, there were guys not playing week one. I mean, Shane yeah, they, Lemieux tried and went down in one series. The not being prepared and the way the offseason kind of went down is kind of another thing. We were talking last week about Joe Judge. We think yeah. he's, you know, a head coach that, you know, what is the positive and negative of Joe Judge? We completely forgot to talk about that, how the, the, game, the roadmap of the preseason and how the preseason was used really set this team back for the first couple of weeks where this team isn't good enough to give away games. And we pretty much part of the reason we lost that Denver game is we weren't prepared. We basically gave that game away. So that's another thing we can put in that evaluation of Joe Judge is So let's talk about that. My my biggest issue with Joe Judge takes, and I think they've gotten out of control, by the way. Um I I um whatever. My 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 stance on Joe Judge was pretty explicitly stated in the last episode, so I'm not gonna rehash that. But um, I there are things about him I like. Um, like for instance, I think it was smart that leaving Miami, they went to Arizona, they stayed on the West Coast in the right time zone, they practiced together there. Now because of COVID, that kind of screwed them up a little bit, probably. I don't know. Um, 
but then you know, and then they went to LA and they brought all the injured players along with them. I thought that was smart. These are these are head coach moves that I think are intelligent that he does. Um, but he's, my, not a, he's not an income poop. Exactly my point. I don't think he's a total train wreck, which some people seem to think. I don't think that about him. But he does do things that I'm not sure about. But my biggest issue is criticizing him on such a small and unfair sample size. I mean, like, I, there are things I think about him and I want to criticize him for, but I really don't know if that's who he is or the situation he's in. You look at the two years he's been head coach, he's had to deal with COVID. Those are the only two years we have of him as a head coach. He's dealing with that. But on top of that, my real question to you about this, and it, it ties into that, is when you say – when we were talking about how they weren't prepared and we were too conservative with guys in the preseason and sitting them, not practicing them or whatever, we don't have the sample size to know this. But I'm guessing that that's part of his conservative nature. But is it possible that he started getting freaked out because the injuries were popping up in the preseason and decided to shut some guys down? Do you I think that he's normally like that or do you think he was just trying to react to his entire roster getting hurt? I think he is conservative in nature, and I also think he's got some of that Belichick. I don't want to show anybody anything. Hmm. Okay. I, I think it's a, I mean, I, yeah, people getting banged up. When you, people start getting banged up in key pieces, you don't want to have that ripple effect of having other guys potentially be in a position to be injured in meaningless games. You know, all of a sudden you have a, 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 a right guard in who shouldn't be playing because other people are not playing because some guys are hurt, and all of a sudden – it gets really dangerous for, for your starters or something. So I, I think that that's part of it, but I think a lot of it is the, I think that's an overall league trend. So I don't know if it's just specific to only him hmm. of just, you know, we are just cautious. We load management. Uh, you know, we don't want these guys. It, it, it impacts the play. It's shoddy play for, you know, the, just watching an average NFL game just seems Sloppier than it has been you know, in previous years. I think part of it is not doing what you need to do in the offseason and preseason for it. So, yeah, but I think a lot of it also is him. I think he's a, he's a conservative guy by nature. He's a paranoid, a little bit of that par- paranoid thing that comes down from Belichick where I don't want anybody to know anything. I keep it close to the vest. Don't say too much. Don't reveal anything. You know, those type of things. I think it all kind of fits together. How would you say Joe Judge stacks up against somebody like Urban Meyer, who was fired yesterday, Wednesday, right? Yeah, and, and Urban Meyer is – I have a lot – I mean you have a lot to say, so just go ahead. I'm asking yeah, you. I mean as a head coach, strictly as an X's and O's head coach, motivator, game planner, all of that, Urban Meyer – is probably of all the coaches I've ever had college or pro is probably the best coach I've ever had coaching one of my football teams. The guy is well organized, well prepared, executes a game plan. However, the problem is that only works in college. It doesn't work in the NFL. Specifically, I'm thinking now you take away just the X's and O's in coaching. It's the psychology. And Urban Meyer is the type of guy where Every loss kills him. Kills him. When we lost the 2009 SEC championship game to Bama, we were undefeated. We lost that game. He had to go to the hospital at 4 in the morning with chest pains. 
because he took that loss so badly. In the NFL, you will lose six times and you may get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. He does not have the temperament to be a head coach in the NFL. So I knew that he would spiral out of control very quickly. I don't know after 11 games what was going to happen. I knew he was not long for this league, especially being out of coaching for a little bit. You can't just turn it on and turn it off. Once you're you're not in it anymore, you're out. You're better off, especially somebody with the extreme intensity of a guy like him. And also, you can run your college team like a dictatorship. You are the boss. It's true. What you say goes. You know, I will pull your scholarship. I will, you know, you're gone. Can't do that in the NFL. These guys all make, if not as much money as you, more money than you. They're protected by a union. They, you know, they... They'll they sit. Start, they will they voluntarily sit. sit because they know eventually if they're good enough, someone will call them calling. Yeah. Yes. So you can't you can't run the, this, the mind games and the psychological things with professionals that you can for college kids that you basically own. Hmm. So this was never going to work, this urban thing. And knowing what kind of a drama queen he was from the past, you know, it is time in Florida – you know, this was going to end this way. But as far as going back to your original question of comparing Joe Judge to Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, I, I can, I can't even think of two instances where I said that was horrible clock management. Yeah. No, I can never think of we were unprepared to play this game. I, I, I can never see a game of I, I've seen the opposite example of where. That team was unprepared to play us, where we have schemed something that just they were not ready to see us. Um, he coached Florida to win. When we beat Ohio State for the national championship, that was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen in my life. Um, Joe Judge has not coached us to a win yet in his you know year plus as head coach. Doesn't mean he can't, but. I, I think it's their night and day. But would I rather have Joe Judge or Urban Meyer as my NFL coach? Joe Judge. Interesting. And Why I, do you, and I would have said that before he was hired at Jacksonville. I, well, I mean, I believe that because I, we've spoke about Urban Meyer for years now. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you watch any like Jaguars games this year? Because I, I openly admit that I have not watched a single one. So I have not watched any Jaguar okay. games. I, I just can't fathom like I can understand everything you're saying, right? Lost the locker room. You know the coaches didn't even like him. Nobody liked him uh, except for the owner, I guess. Um, and pe- girls that aren't his wife, but. But but seriously, like they, I wouldn't have expected them to look like garbage. You know what I mean? I would think that they would be competent, but losing, and you know maybe that would happen. But like, they, well, the they look like garbage. The roster's garbage. And Trevor Lawrence doesn't even look that good. Well, I mean, he looks like a guy who's not being coached. Yes. Does that surprise you? Uh, it does surprise me. I mean, okay, because that's it. what surprised me about it. I didn't. I thought we would see Trevor Lawrence is doing well. The team isn't doing well. And like I said, Urban Meyer loses the locker room. He's a prick, well, so he's out. But the the coaching staffs that Urban Meyer had at Florida and Ohio State 
were far, far superior than the coaching staff he had at Jacksonville. I mean, you're talking about guys, you know, I've been bagging on the guy for a year now, but he had Dan Mullen as his offensive coordinator, who is a fantastic coordinator. You know, he has at Ohio State, he's got guys like Ryan Day, who's now a fantastic coach for them and stuff. Great coaching staffs around him. Uh, so he may not have, he might not have the right, you know, support staff around him to to elevate some of these guys they have. But the roster is not a good roster. It was a bad roster last year. Um, not much better. A terrible offensive line this year. And, uh, you know, rookies, rookie quarterbacks, buyer beware. When you throw them out into the fire, they're going to struggle. And when you have a bad offensive line and limited weapons to work with, you know, a, a, a bad defense where they're, you know, going to be behind the eight ball a lot, it, it's not – totally surprising he's not fired because the team has two wins yeah he's fired because of his antics his attitude his almost seemingly like you've seen it with other coaches in in the nfl and in different leagues where they're almost asking to be fired like just take me out of my misery Hmm. and definitely past the point of where he just didn't want to be there anymore and it's like do us all a favor and just fire my ass What's really funny is that a lot of the things that were being said about him kind of reminded me of stories I've heard about Ditka. In what way? Wait, 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 just that he was like a—he was uh, when he was in Chicago, he was just kind of like a jerk. Like some of the players just didn't really like him. Like he—I had heard like a story where he told them all to focus on the season and cancel their endorsement deals, and then the next week did an endorsement deal, had like a whole bunch of commercials come out. For like chunky soup or Campbell's chunky soup or some bullshit like that. Well, it's a different time. Well, yeah. First of all, you know, I mean, you can be the tyrant in the NFL back then, like you are in college now. That doesn't play anymore. I mean, well, also he was winning. I don't, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like Bill Parcells, I don't think was well loved by everybody who who, who played for him. I don't think Tom Coughlin, who's like the last of the mm. uh, the old school coaches. I would not say he had the warm and fuzzies. I mean, people look back on him now, you know, and, you know, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Michael Strahan can hug him now, oh, now no, that he played, like, like two seasons with him and, and you know, whatever. But That's that's his fantastic revisionist history because go back to that year where, you know. And he I, showed and I, up I, week one. I remember saying that at the time, like, until the Strahans and the Tiki Barbers are gone, this will never be Eli Manning's team. It'll never be Tom Coughlin's team. Like the old guard had to leave. Hmm. So I mean, it's it's tough with you know coaches back then versus coaches now. The game has changed so much. The way you have to treat the players is so different. Um, but yeah, I mean, would Urban have been successful if he came in 1986? Yeah, possibly, but in 2021, no way. I just thought that that was a slam like. I thought it was a slam dunk situation. I, I agree with you that Urban Meyer, I don't think, was destined for the NFL. But one season surprised me. I mean, he he pretty much waited for his shot to be in Florida with his quarterback pick. You know what I mean? He really had a perfect setup. And to blow it in less than a season is, I mean, that's borderline outrageous. It almost well, sounds I, like he never wanted the job to begin with. Well, I think that's exactly it. I, I think he really didn't. I think he might have had a the what if in the back of his mind for years and years and you know what am i you know i mean when he was a coach of florida you never really heard the nfl talk everybody was like well his offense 
again, we're talking about 2008, 2009, different league in the NFL than it is now. But like, he was never really thought of as an NFL bound coach. Like the offense they run, the spread option, don't think that's yeah. what's going to work in the NFL. So he was always thought of a guy who was going to stay in college, and we thought we'd be in Florida for 20 years. He pulled all the nonsense with the heart. He retired, came back two days later, decided he's going to be like a part-time coach in 2010. That didn't go over well. He finally retires, spent more time with his family. A week later, goes to ESPN. We all know that he was waiting for the Ohio State job, goes to Ohio State, which, you know, he was giving carte blanche to run that program however he wanted, even, you know, with all the shady characters he had around there and stuff. But I, you know, maybe in the back of his mind, he always thought, what if? And he's the type of guy that can dictate the terms of what if. Okay. You know, Jacksonville, you're, you're talking about a place, first of all, financially, no state income tax. You make more money there. Mm-hmm. Some of the fan base, not me, but some Gators still actually like him. So maybe he'd get a longer leash on how well, you know, if the Jaguar struggled for a year or two or three, that he would get the benefit of the doubt of some things. But I don't think he ever really wanted to be there. And I think he realized really quickly Especially after you're out of the game for a couple of years, you know when you're working, you know, Fox Sports, and you do a job once a week, it's not the same as the 90-hour-a-week grind that it takes to be an NFL head coach. And he just may have realized I made a mistake. I don't want to do this. And either consciously or subconsciously, he self-sabotaged himself. I mean, the thing that happened in his his restaurant, you know, in Columbus, that doesn't happen to guys that are just 100% committed to their job. Yeah, I mean, it's not and, hard to just get on the bus, man, or whatever, the plane. He stayed back. I mean, it's well, just... Well, just allowing yourself to be in that position. Like, if you are... Allowing it, he made it happen. That's, that's what, what I'm mean. saying. Like, he didn't He didn't just, like, be like, we're at this bar and there's this girl. I think I'm going to stay at the bar. It's like... He planned to stay an extra night. Like, I mean, yeah. that that's that's actively trying to make bad things happen. I mean, I, I could tell you an anecdotal story of being back in Gainesville where uh, a friend of mine was friends with the Meyer family. And it was like a Christmas dinner or something. And he was at the Meyer house. And this is like December 23rd and Urban didn't come out. He was in his room prepping for the bowl game and mm. he was with Shelly the wife they were cooking dinner he came out like for five minutes was like hi everybody you know Merry Christmas and went back in the room that's what kind of a maniac he was when he was 100% focused and committed to being a coach now he's the head coach of an NFL team and right after a loss he's in a city you know 800 miles away you know getting grinded on by some chick <laughs> so I mean really it's just like you know where his headspace was like he's not fully in the game and when you're a head coach you're not fully in the game you're done yeah that was early on too i don't remember what week that was but we were in single digits for sure week four week five yeah all right well speaking of him not wanting to be there i don't want to be here anymore so let's just and i don't think i'm really going to want to be there for much of sunday just to see friends and whatever this because like i said this is not a giants game we're i am fully capable of seeing a bad team and just trying to focus in on some players. Most of those players aren't even playing, so I can't even do that. So we both agree this is a loss, yes? Oh, yeah. I mean, the question is going to be, does this team even score double digits? 
Yeah. My answer is no. The way Dallas' defense is playing right now, the, yeah. our, com- our complete – the combination of the talent that's playing and the, you know, trying to execute a, a game plan from a formal offensive coordinator, it, it's, it's just a mess. Uh, we lose this like uh, – I, I think Dak actually has a he, – he struggles as well. Maybe it's, a little, maybe it's one of these games we've been playing where it's like 7-3 – Middle of the second quarter, we ended up losing twenty four nine, something bad. Mm. Defense just runs out of gas from being on the field too long, and and we lose like that. I'm not even gonna put a score. I think it's gonna be like thirty to six or three. I just don't see how we score points here unless Dak throws a stupid pick or something, um, or or if someone falls down in coverage. I I just don't know how like. I'm being, I mean, the wide receivers are healthy, but Glennon can't throw an accurate ball. We've seen it for two straight weeks now. Um, we can't block. We've known that for a full season. So we're, I, uh, we're not making any commitment to the run. We're not making any clear commitment to get the ball into the best playmaker's hands. We're not doing anything really coherent or with any sort of plan. Yeah. It's just... You, you think know. Dak struggles. I think they just sit him halfway through the game. There's no point in playing him. Well, I guess the bigger question, Grump, is forget the score, is when do we leave? What's the point when we leave? When we're hungry. That's true. We do have a uh, we have a big family pub crawl going through uh, Midtown at 6 o'clock, which will be much more exciting. Yeah. So, the I mean, we, we have a long day. we got to fill our wanna, bellies for we wanna, Do we want to grab an early, uh, you know, grab a drink in the Jameson room and head out, or do we want to grab a Nona's uh, sandwich? You like those chicken nuggets somewhere, didn't you? Something. Uh, there were tater tots too. I might hit that up. That sounds mm. good. I don't want to do a podcast on stadium food. Um, Washington is at Philadelphia. Both teams have the same record. They're six and seven. That's an interesting matchup. Um, it really I, is. It, it is. I mean, we really we're gonna win. We gotta root for Philly here, right? For they what? have three first round draft picks. We want to push them. Oh yeah. Oh, I understand. What you're, yeah, yeah. I mean. And again, you know something? We can do this because we are fully invested Giant fans. We are not we're not win chasers. We're not just trying to, you know, we're not bandwagon or anything. It's like we're looking at long view as being a Giant fan. This season's over. Well, because the Eagles aren't going to do anything this year anyway. But exactly. they got three first-round picks. The best we can hope for is that their, their pick is further and further up. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean – you hold your nose. You kind of root against Washington as opposed to rooting for Philly. Hmm. Is that the way we can justify our, you know, existence? Sure. Yeah, yeah. our existence, so, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. That's getting tougher and tougher to justify every week, apparently. Um, I don't even know how to read these two teams. I mean, they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde-ish, both of them. Yeah, I... I um. Where is this game? In, in Philly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Does it matter? Yeah, I mean, let's take Philly winning by a field goal. Sure. I'll agree to that. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's going to be that. If you are headed to this game, I'm sorry, but we can make it up to you. Come hang out with us. Um, You can hit us up on Twitter. My DMs are open. I'm at football underscore grump, as it says down below. He's at the cranky fan. Come meet up with with. For a drink beforehand, we'll be there pretty early, I'm sure. Hopefully, I mean, it was like 65 degrees today by me. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be chillier on Sunday. It's Damn. Supposed to, it's, it's, it's supposed to rain on Saturday and then drop. I think it's gonna be in the the mid forties, I believe. So it'll feel like it'll feel like playoff weather, even though it won't furthest, look like it. It sure won't look like it. That. that All right, yeah, everyone. It'll, it'll, it'll feel like December. It'll be good. Bummer. Well, if you're there, hit us up. We'd love to grab a drink with you. If not, watch at home. You know, we'll clink glasses, socially distant. Um, until then, we'll see you guys next week. Go Giants. Go Giants.